Well, take your Bibles this morning. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 15. Excited about getting in our series again, getting back into our series, I should say, in Matthew. Had a good uh, Midsummer Mission Sunday. If you missed it last week, uh, go online and, and uh, watch Brother Hoover's message. And uh, then also David Ray's message on Sunday night. Uh, you'll, you'll be greatly challenged and uh, helped, I believe. And so I really enjoyed uh, Midsummer Missions. Thankful to God for that. Okay, uh, Matthew and chapter number 15 is where we are in our study. We, uh, we're about two years in Matthew, I guess it is now. Um, and um, so I'm thankful for what we're learning here. You know, when you dig into a book, you, you see some things you hadn't noticed before. And so that's rather helpful. And, it, and for many, this would be brand new. So I want to do the due diligence to try to explain as we move along and make applications. So let's look now at verses 1 through 9 of Matthew chapter number 15. Matthew records uh, here for us, Then came to Jesus scribes, experts in the law, scribes, and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem. So they traveled all the way up to Galilee on a special mission, <laughs> saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Can you hear them saying that? They're not asking that because they want to learn. <laughs> They're asking that, I think, while shaking their head. Why do thy disciples? There had to be a little bit of a tone right there, don't you know, an attitude coming through? The tradition of the elders. Don't you? Sometimes I wish there was like an audio, you know, just actually, how did they say that? They certainly were there to rebuke him. And here's why. For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. I love Jesus' answer. He asked, answered them with a question, as he often did. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God? By, everybody notice that? By your tradition. For God commanded, he gives a particular instance in the verses that follow. For God commanded saying, honor thy father and mother. And he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus, Jesus says, thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. And then notice what Jesus says in verse number seven. He doesn't mince any words. He doesn't hold back. He says, ye hypocrites, play actors, pretenders, actors, ye hypocrites. Well did Isaiah 
Isaiah, Isaiah, or Isaiah, prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, and he explains what he means right there, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. So you may have noticed in the bulletin, the title of the message is, uh, it must be from the heart. It must be from the heart. Now, a lot of times when I'm studying, I, I've got to send that in for the bulletin and I haven't fully got to really get that deep in there. And, but Fridays, they got to push print. <laughs> so the pastor has privilege to change the title should he choose, right? <laughs> and so I'm tweaking it here to say this. Now, it's, it's got to be from the heart. And that is an emphasis here. We're, but really, it's, that's going to come a little bit later in, in the next sermons. So here's the title uh, today. Clean hands, but corrupt hearts. Clean hands, but corrupt hearts. The danger of living up to the standards of men, but falling short of the glory of God. The danger of living up to the standards of men, but falling short of the glory of God. Would you think about that with me here a little bit? I don't think this is an isolated problem to Jesus' day and time. That there would be clean hands, but corrupt hearts. In fact, there's a book entitled uh, A Dangerous Calling. It's written to pastors. It's written to pastors. And one of the chapters is called Big Theological Brains but Dark Sinful Hearts. Pastors can have big theological brains, know all the jargon, all the lingo, and have a dark sinful heart. There's a danger right there. It's a danger. I'd like to work on it. It's not an easy passage. I've prayed about it and tried to seek the Lord about what angle, how to come at it, and try to be careful because uh, I, I believe that God wants us to have standards that help us in the means of holiness, but there's a danger that we could have an outward conformity, but not an inward relationship. It's a dangerous thing. May God help us here today. And so as he does, you may be seated and we'll get right into the word here. The scribes and Pharisees came all the way from Jerusalem to ask Jesus a question about his stance on their tradition. Now, Mark, if, you, if you're interested in a little bit more of an elaboration on even this passage, uh, you could go to Mark chapter 7, and, and Mark has more verses about this particular incident that really would help to fill in even some of the blanks. By the way, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Just let the Word of God interpret itself and fill in maybe what's not included all in one particular section. By the way, also the Word of God never contradicts itself. So it's not like Mark says something that contradicts Matthew by no means, but, but, but Mark just goes to greater length even in, in fleshing it out and explaining it. So I, I thought about taking time to read that section, but that would, that would take some time. And so I'd rather us just stay focused here on, on Matthew chapter 15. So they come all the way from Jerusalem. So that's the capital city. 
They're going north to Galilee, a rather rural area, a lot of cities, uh, you know, 10 major cities in that region. So it's not like it was with its uh, just all small towns. I mean, there were some big towns there, but listen, nothing like Jerusalem. I mean, Jerusalem, um, it, it was, it was tops. It was the it was the official city, I, and, and rightly so. I mean, I, I'm still looking forward to going to Jerusalem and seeing, you know, seeing the holy city. You know, Jerusalem, the, the holy city. So here they come. Can, can you see them now coming? These, uh, these scribes, Pharisees, in their uh, religious robes, long flowing. And, and I, I don't imagine that the scribes got in, and the Pharisees got in a hurry for anybody. You know, so they, they were taking it in, all the attention that no doubt they would get. Oh man, look, there comes the scribes, oh, there comes the Pharisees. From Jerusalem, the holy city, wonder what they're doing here. And so they, uh, they would have been the spiritual elite, they would have been the spiritual authority. They knew many things about the Old Testament, about the law, the law of Moses, And if they came all the way from Jerusalem up to the towns of Galilee to visit a carpenter, well, a former carpenter, at least his father was a, well, his human father. Everybody follow me right there? His human father was a carpenter. They certainly would be the authority on anything pertaining to the law. Not this new rabbi, rabbi, teacher, not this new rabbi that was on the scene named Jesus. Jesus, son of Joseph, they would say. I'm just simply saying they were the experts. Now, this was not the first run-in that Jesus had had with the Pharisees. This was not the first time that Jesus would interact with the Pharisees. It would not be the last time that he would interact with the Pharisees. He had already warned his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and verse number uh, 17 through 20 and following. Actually, if you remember that about uh, two years ago, uh, when we came to it and how that Jesus said, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not see the kingdom of heaven. Now, they would have been in shock at that point because all the people would have said, well, if anybody that is really righteous, it's got to be the scribes. It's got to be the Pharisees. Jesus said, except your righteousness is above theirs. Now, that would have really bothered their way of thinking. And so, but Jesus went on to explain and he went through a, a series of... Um, of messages or lessons there, even within the Sermon on the Mount, it has been said that, and he went through about five key areas. It has been said that, that, um, that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her in his heart has committed adultery with her already in his heart. So there was the oral law that was going on. It has been said there, there's a great study right there. It has been said, two different words. It has been said and it is written. It has been said and it has been written. And so what it has been said had to do with their oral law, passed down generation after generation by oral, by the mouth. So there was this oral law that was going on, but then there was also this written law. We know it as the revelation of God in the Old Testament, the revelation of God in the New Testament. It is written. The oral law was not written until they wrote it down. 
They had issues with Jesus about the forgiveness of sins. They had issues with Jesus about eating and drinking with publicans and sinners. They had issues with Jesus about fasting. They had issues with Jesus teaching and what he did by way of casting out of demons. They had issues with Jesus about the Sabbath day. Oh, my soul. Did they ever have issues with Jesus about the Sabbath day? The Jews themselves were divided. By the way, Jesus did not come into a vacuum of society. There were things going on. It was a polarized society, much like ours. There was debating going on amongst themselves and, and, and the leading rabbis of the day. Rabbi means teacher. And so the leading teachers of the day, there would be schools of thought of them, of course. You have the scribes on one side and the Pharisees on the other. And do you remember in Acts chapter uh, uh, along about Acts chapter 26, somewhere right in there, that, that Paul just mentioned one word. He, well, he mentioned two, but he mentioned one word. One word was Gentiles. That just set them all up in a row. But, but he also mentioned resurrection. Well, the, the Sadducees, uh, they, they didn't hold to a resurrection. The Pharisees did. And he split, he split that whole assembly there, and they nearly pulled him apart. There's all this debating that was going on. Republicans and Democrats in our day and time, right? I mean, all these analysts, all these uh, political spinsters, and, and, and even in their day and time, I mean, all that was going on there. Now, probably here in Oklahoma, as far as like debating and people weighing in on their views and things, um, many even in this auditorium would be much more familiar with sports animal than the Sanhedrin. It's the same thing. They're in sports animal and other uh, sports center, you know, as Stephen A's weighing in and others are weighing in on who, why he ought to go here, why he ought to go there. I mean, that's, that's our day and time. Really, it's not, a, well, it is quite a bit different, but all that angst, all that debate, all that uh, fervency and persuasiveness, it was in Jesus' day and time as well. And so there was a strict sect known as uh, the Pharisees, of course. But even within the Pharisees, they had a very strict sect of the Pharisees that was led by a rabbi named Shammai. Uh, Shammai. And then there was a more lenient, more liberal, progressive thinking uh, man named Hillel that kind of weighed in on it and said, well, it's not really that strict. And so they went back and forth on the law, on the written law. At about the time that all this was hitting the boiling point and there was this great strife between the people and some said, I follow this rabbi and others said, I follow this rabbi, a new rabbi comes on the scene named Jesus. And they wanted to see, well, what does this rabbi say? You ever see those groups of Jews just following the rabbi around and they want to hear what the rabbi has to say and, and they're just on, on his every word. And so here they are, they're following these rabbis around and Jesus had a large following at, by this point in time. And, and, and so they, they come to Jesus and they say, we've got an issue with you regarding your disciples, uh, uh, Jesus, that they don't, they don't wash according to the tradition of the elders. Probably put a few extra syllables in there. The traditions of the elders. <laughs> oh, my soul, because tradition was everything in Judaism. Some of you, the word tradition, it just takes you back to when somebody made you watch Fiddler on the Roof, no doubt. Right. Four hours later, you wonder what in the world was that, <laughs> right? 
It's very much what's going on here. Tevya, rather, he said, how do we keep the balance? Sorry, I had to watch it. Just not didn't watch the whole thing. <laughs> this clip. How do we keep the balance? In one word. Tradition. I am not going to sing it. <laughs> but it's tradition. <laughs> for the papa, for the mama, <laughs> the sons and the daughters. Tradition. <laughs> mm. He said, without it, our lives would be as shaky as a fiddler on the roof. Right? Tradition. So how does that relate with what's going on here? It's exactly the same. Because uh, by this time, they had the Mishnah. The Mishnah is the oral law written down. I mean, it's volumes of it, six different categories where rabbis are weighing in on the law and how it ought to be observed. Six different categories and, and within those six different orders or categories, and there are seven to 12 different tractates or essays on each of them covering everything from uh, the way seed ought to be sown in agriculture, to festivals, to marriage, to divorce, to civil and, and criminal law, holy things of the temple, laws about food, purity, laws about purity of the body. I mean, basically it was this, it was the code of conduct among the Jews. And they came to Jesus and they said, I cannot believe that your disciples do not follow the tradition of the elders, the oral law. I'll never forget when I was door knocking one time. It's been a few years ago and we were, we were just going door to door and I came across a man that was, um, his background was Catholicism. He was Catholic growing up. And, and I, you know, the most difficult thing is it was one of the most difficult soul winning efforts I've ever had because I kept trying to take him back to the Bible, but he kept saying this, yes, but our tradition teaches otherwise. I say, wait, wait a minute. I'm hearing you say the word tradition quite often. Your tradition teaches otherwise. So let me ask you this. If at any point your tradition differs or goes a different direction than what the Bible says, which are you going to hold up? He said, by all means, we're going to hold up the tradition. Above the Bible. Okay, now look, that's no different than what the Jews are doing here. They're, they've got their tradition and their tradition is above what is written. Warren Wiersbe said this, he said, people obey tradition to please men and gain status. But we obey the word of God to please God. Tradition deals with ritual while God's, God's word deals with reality. Tradition deals with empty words to the lips, but truth penetrates the heart and changes the life. Now, this word tradition is also used in the New Testament in a positive way, that which has been handed down. The word tradition just means that it's handed down one generation to the next generation. There's not anything wrong with having tradition. In fact, I thank God for Thanksgiving traditions. That's awesome. You know, I, I love, you know, the food at Thanksgiving and, and some of the traditions that we have. So there's not anything wrong with tradition unless we elevate our traditions above God's word. Then we have some major issues that are going on. 
Okay, so here they are. They say, why do your disciples transgress? Why do they go beyond? Why do they break? Why do they offend? Why do they do contrary? Please listen to this. Stay, stay tuned all the way through the message, and I think it'll be a, a great help to you. Why do they act contrary to the tradition of the elders? Do you see the key word there in verse number, verse number two? The tradition of the elders. Who are the elders? It was the rabbis. It was the scribes. It was the other Pharisees. Why do they transgress the tradition of the elders? How did they do that? Well, they ate. They ate without washing their hands. Now, your mama's gonna, your, your mama's gonna tell you, wash your hands before you come to the table. And that, that, that's pretty much law. And that's a good law to observe. <laughs> but your mom was concerned about germs, right? And, and just being clean. The, the, the Pharisees and the scribes here, they're not germaphobes. No, they're, they're not concerned about making sure, you know, hygienically that we have clean hands, which is a good idea. You know, we teach our kids to do that. Hey, you better wash up. Use soap. <laughs> have to remind your kids to use soap. Use soap. Well, that, that's good hygienically. I mean, it's, it's a good practice to do that. But that's not what their concern was. Their concern was contamination. Their concern was contact. Their concern was contact with people like the publicans and the sinners. Their concern was it could be that I had contact or this piece of food had contact or this utensil, this, this, uh, this cup, this bowl. It could have had contact with the Gentiles, non-Jews. It could be that even the shadow, I mean, right now, if I did this, a Jew would say, oh, I've got to wash that cup because the shadow of a Gentile went over it. I mean, in Mark's day and time, in Matthew's day and time, literally that's what was going on. If in the marketplace just the shadow walked, walked over it, or went over it rather, then they'd have to wash it because it was contaminated by the Gentiles. And so they would wash their hands by a great ritual of running water. I mean, it was a, it was a very rigid practice. They would wash their hands to wash away the contamination of the Gentiles so that then once they picked up the food, then they would not contaminate the food. And if they contaminated the food and they ingested the food, then they would be contaminated on the inside. And thus they wouldn't be right with God because the Gentile touched that. You got it? That was oral tradition. That was handed down generation after generation. That was the way that they did that because of the oral law, the Mishnah and all the other practices. I mean, there's a whole section in the Mishnah on ritual cleansing. Here's what they did. They elevated their oral law above the written law. And Jesus called him out for it. Here's what he said. Look at verse number three. But he answered and said unto them, why do ye also transgress, break, go contrary to the commandment of God by your tradition? By your tradition. He didn't say that. Why do you break the commandments of God in spite of your tradition? He said, why do you break the commandment of God by your tradition? So here's what he pointed out as he's um, uh, working with them. He says to them, for God commanded, honor thy father and thy mother. That's a quotation out of the 10 commandments. The fifth commandment, thou, thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. 
Very clear. Everybody understanding that one? Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the earth. Honor thy father and thy mother. In fact, he quotes also from another passage out of Deuteronomy that, that you should not curse your father and mother. You should not speak ill of them. You ought to show them respect. The idea here, by the way, as Moses gave the written law at that time and he spoke to them, he was speaking predominantly to adults. There were children present. We think about honor thy father and mother. We think about kids obeying their parents. And that, that certainly is an application of it. But Jesus understood it here. And Moses even explained it there that that is as an adult that I'm to honor my aging parents. In fact, it even means this. You ought to take care of them to the best of your ability in their old age. I saw it this past week as, as uh, Brother Noel Broughton is at towards the end of his pastoral ministry, 40 plus years, and Miss B, Miss, uh, Miss Broughton, she has Alzheimer's, the advanced stages of it, and he's doing his very best to help take care of her. But I've watched his daughters this past week help come alongside and help take care of mom so that dad can do pastoral duties. Are you seeing what I'm saying? They're honoring their parents in their old age. Now, I think our society would do real well to pay attention to what it means to honor our father and mother in their old age. Take care of them in their old age. Jesus says, listen, you ought to take care of your parents in your old age, but here's what you've said by your oral tradition, by your, by your oral law, by the, by the tradition of the elders, you say this, if a man says, I would take care of my aging parents, but I've already promised that amount to the temple. I mean, that sounds really pious. I mean, like super spiritual. I'd take care of my parents, but I got to take care of the temple. That's what they said. And you know what the Pharisees said and the scribes? You, hang on, wait, is everybody still following this right here? You know what they said? Even though they knew that that would be a clear outright violation of the written word of God, the commandment, the clear commandment to honor your father and mother. They knew, listen, they knew that it would be a complete breaking of the fifth commandment. They said, oh, that'll be fine. You know why? Because they would benefit from that. I mean, financially, they would benefit from that because who was taken care of in the temple, but the scribes and Pharisees and the temple itself, the whole religious system as it was, they would benefit from that. So they said, you know, I mean, in their minds, they wouldn't come right out and say this, but they knew they had to know. And Jesus called them out because they knew. They knew that would be a break of God's commandments, but by their oral tradition, they said it is okay if a person donates or promises even that they would give this amount. Uh, in, in Mark, it's, it's referred to as Corbin. It's Corbin. It's a gift. It's already, it's already designated. I'd love to take care of Papa and Mama in their old age, but I can't do that because I've already promised that amount. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. I've already promised that to the temple. Pharisees and scribes say, that'd be all right. They called something okay that God didn't call okay. And Jesus said, you're a hypocrite. Because you're acting like you're concerned about purity. And yet evidently you're not concerned about purity because you're not even keeping the written word of God in the fifth commandment alone. And in fact, Mark says it this way, and many other such things. Many other like things. This is not the end of it. This is not the only area where they knew what the word of God said. And yet by their spin on it, by, by their, to their own advantage, they, they labeled it differently. Then they got around the word of God by their own law, by their own word.
Well, we live in a society that does the same thing because the written word of God says that thou shalt not murder and that's the taking of life. And God still says that he's against the shedding of innocent blood. Our society has bypassed the, the word of God saying it's okay to kill somebody that's in the, in the womb. Now, I thank God for the direction that, we're, that we've made or the progress that has been made there. But listen, friend, that's exactly what's going on. We know, and we shouldn't be surprised a law society should do this, that they know what the Word of God says, and yet they go around it by their own laws. God's Word still says that marriage is a union between a man and a woman. But our society is saying it's okay if a man wants to marry a man and a woman wants to marry a woman. That may be, listen, that may be man's law, but man's law does not, does not nullify, does not rule out God's law. Because God's law still stands, regardless of what record books, man's law may get recorded. God's law doesn't budge for a society that wants to do their own thing. And even it applies right down to a, to a preacher. A preacher may say that a church is universal and invisible, but that doesn't change what Jesus said about a church, that it's a local assembly of called out believers that have joined together for the cause of world evangelism that are baptized. Hey, the, whatever theologian may say does not change what God's word says. Mention of baptism itself. Even the very word means to be immersed or to be plunged into deep water. I just heard about uh, a lady that was baptized there at Celine Baptist Church, and, and it's a pretty amazing story. But, but she was baptized and she came up out of the water and out loud said, because she wasn't used to church, she said, I didn't realize I was going to get that wet. Well, she got that wet for him because her, listen, her tradition, the tradition that she came out of was pouring or sprinkling. But when you bury somebody, you don't just sprinkle a little dirt on them. You put them under the ground. And Brother Trevor said, as he baptized her, listen, and, and him, you're going to go completely under. I'm going to bury you in the water. You know why? Because that's what the word means. That's what Jesus said. But somebody's tradition says, well, it's okay if you just want to sprinkle somebody because it's a little bit easier. In fact, you can just sprinkle them as a baby and they're okay. Some of you may say, well, I was sprinkled as a baby. I think I'm okay. Well, does that match up with what the written word of God says? It does not, friend. I'm, I'm here to tell you, listen, there's a danger in being okay. Is this, is, are, you, are you getting this right now? It, there's a danger in being okay with the standards of men and yet falling short of the glory of God. Some religious tradition would say, well, as long as you're a member of this church, then you'll make your way to heaven. Or as long as you've gone through baptism, even by immersion, you'll get your way to heaven. The Bible does not say that. And it does not matter what a religious tradition says, if it is in contradiction to what the written word of God reveals, then you've got to go with what God said, regardless of what a religious tradition may say. Well, if you just try harder, if you'll just be a good person, if you'll just do your very best, or some don't even say that you have to do your very best because you're already doing your very best because you're really good. You don't even have to try harder. There's already a champion down in there. You know, you just live it out. Hey, look, it doesn't matter what man is saying. It matters what God has said. Amen. There's a danger in Jesus' day and time that, that they would draw nigh to God with their mouth and know all the right words to say and yet be far from God in their heart. And that's hypocritical. Well, how about we just deal with where we are as well? Because Jesus said, listen, true biblical worship and service to God has got to be based on the word and it needs to be from the heart. Everybody get that? If we'll base our, our services, our service to God and our way of life, if we'll base it on the word of God 
and it comes from the heart, Jesus is saying, that's what we're looking for. That's what to look for. True service is based on the word and it's based on that which is from the heart. Now it could be that somebody even is going by the word and yet the heart's not really in it. Okay, so uh, we've dealt with false religions of the world and there are many. We've dealt with diluted, polluted gospels within even the realm of Christianity that add works to grace. You can't mix the two. They don't mix. It's by grace through faith. It can't be otherwise. A man is not justified by the deeds of the law. It can't be that way. It's only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, his finished work alone. That's your only hope of heaven, friend, today. If you're counting, listen, I just got to clear off a spot one more time right here to say, if you're counting on anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work, you need to be born again. Because it's no amount of good works that's going to save you. And everybody else may say, oh, that's a good person. That's a good individual. They're very religious. But listen, Jesus said to a very religious Pharisee named Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. There's a danger in living up to the standards of men because all of men would have said, Nicodemus, he's okay with God. But Jesus said, no, you're not okay with God. There's a danger in living up to the standards of men and yet not being right with God. For all have sinned and what? Come short of the glory of God. So number one, you need to make sure you're saved. Make sure that you've been born again according to what the Word of God says. And then number two, if you are saved today, um, there's a danger that you could know all the right things to say and have all the right standards on the outside and yet things not be right in the heart. In fact, I, I, I'm looking forward to getting deeper into this chapter because Jesus is going to say that it's out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and adulteries and fornications and murders and seditions and strife and all that. So listen, somebody would be ill-informed and disingenuous and wrong to try to say, based on that, then a church shouldn't have standards. That, that is a wrong application of this passage because of the reality of the, the evil that is within us, the evil thoughts and fornications and adulteries. Listen, you need to have some standards in your life. You, you need to have some protection in your life so that you don't commit fornication. And, but here's, here's where we can get in trouble is somebody that says, if you got a TV in your house, you're not right with God. Did you find that in the Bible? No, that, that's, but I mean, in, 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 a, in a fervent spirit, some Baptist preacher may say, if you got, and he's probably gonna, his eyes are gonna get a little bit weird right here, okay? If, if you got, he's probably not gonna use good English. It doesn't matter how big the TV is. If you've got a TV in your house, you ain't right with God, friend. Huh. Well, wait, 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 just, hang on just a minute. Stop the bus just a minute. What about that dear elderly lady that is shut in that cannot get out and the only thing she watches on her TV by DVDs is services of Southwest Baptist Church? I guarantee you, she's probably got more spiritual depth than he does. And I'm not trying to be unkind to him. I don't even know who he is. I just made him up. <laughs> but there's all kinds of things like that that kind of get thrown around. 
And that, that can really do great harm. And, and, and I'll tell you why, because I, I know of churches and you probably know of churches where there, there were these high standards and yet there was all kinds of secret sin. Man, that's devastating, devastating to lives. And, and sometimes those with high standards, I mean, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're high standards. I mean, they are clean, clean hands, clean hands, friend, clean haircut. Clean Sue, clean, clean life, clean all this, and yet have some secret sin on the side. And, and then what happens is somebody that maybe even grew up in that type of a ministry, they're hearing hard preaching and, and, and about the King James Bible, which we ought to use the King James Bible, and we ought to have sinners. Please don't misconstrue this message and say, Preacher Gaddis said that we didn't have to have sinners. By no means, friend, listen, but if your standards is all that you have, and there's just an outward external conformity to that, because you know what everybody expects of you, but you don't have a relationship with God. It's just a matter of time till that all implodes on you. And I've got friends that are no longer in churches and we sat beside a man that, that's no longer in church on the flight uh, as we were flying to Kentucky that we grew up in a, in a church very similar to this, but the spirit was different. It was a harsh spirit. It was a mean spirit. There was no grace there by his own testimony. I'm not, I'm not trying to criticize the church. I don't even know the church, but I'm just simply saying that that has, has been a deadly trend that there can be these high standards that, that, ought, that in many ways ought to be there, ought to be explained. And maybe that's where we've broken down some is that it's kind of like uh, the man in Fiddler on the Roof. He said, and why do we have these traditions? He said, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Now we, we can have, we've got, I think we've got some, if I can, if you allow me to call it this, some traditions or some standards that are really good and healthy because it can help us to stay away from things like fornication, evil speaking, and, and all these other things. I mean, it can, it can be very, very healthy, but we really need to do our due diligence to teach the next generation, listen, son, listen, daughter, here's why we do that, and also to be gracious and helpful, allowing the fact that there needs to be a time of growth in a person's life, and, and so we help bring them along and understanding in a healthy culture, and then you can grow up in a church and love it. But the biggest factor is the heart the heart because you can have really clean hands and yet have a corrupt, contaminated, impure heart. Some swing from one pendulum to the opposite extreme. If that's how it is over there, then I'm getting out of that. And they, what they do is they throw the baby out with the bathwater. No doubt there's some things that need to be dealt with along the way in every church and every place. But please, friend, don't say, well, I'm done with that and them. Is everybody listening to this? Is this making sense right here? And somebody says, well, I don't go to church anymore, and I'll tell you why. There's a bunch of hypocrites there. People acting one way and living another. And, and by the way, that, that, that'll preach. Good message right there. Preach that a while. Because the way that you are on Sunday ought to reflect the way that you are on Friday night. And the way that you are in public here ought to be a reflection of how you are when you're all, your, all by yourself and alone. Somebody says, well, I ain't going back there because there's a bunch of hypocrites. I imagine there's probably a bunch of hypocrites where you're going to eat lunch today. You're going to not go there? <laughs> or there's probably some hypocrites. There's probably some hypocrites uh, at Walmart. Is that right? There's probably some hypocrites 
Um, in whatever stadium you're about to go to, People that act one way and then live another. But that doesn't keep us from football. It doesn't keep us from baseball. It doesn't keep us from food. It doesn't keep us from a lot of things. But if you allow a sour spirit to get in, and you allow wrong that some have done, and you say, well, everybody must be that way. Listen, friend, that is not the case, number one. You're not dealing with truth. And number two, the heart of the matter is the heart of the matter. And you need to make sure that you're right with God and pray that others would be as well. And don't abandon ship. There's a lot more water outside the boat than there is in the boat. Just stay in the, in the gospel ship, so to speak, and, and let the Lord work all those things out because He is evidenced a way of dealing with hypocrites and exposing them. Well, I want to thank God this week. I met a man, uh, a pastor by the name, name of Amos and, and, and he was, his last name is German. It's kind of slipping my mind how to pronounce it right now, but he stepped into a very difficult situation, but I'm telling you what he's doing. He's sitting up there living by all indications of his life. I just got to know him, so I don't know him real well, but he, he really seems to have our genuine walk with the Lord. And here's what he's doing in a very tough situation because the pastor before him really did wrong. And a lot of those people were hurt and some of them got out of church, but here's what he's doing now. He's just praying preaching the Bible, loving the people, trying to lead in a way of righteousness with the right and healthy spirit. And I'm telling you, people are growing. Amen. It's wonderful. Well, what should we do? Well, may God use this message even as preventative and help us to do ministry based on the word and with a right heart. Right. A right heart and, oh, please get this point right here. And we're nigh unto done. Do it with your heart. Because you know how you get a wrong heart? Is you just start going through the song service without your heart being there. Is everybody getting this? In the song service, in the preaching and teaching the word, you got to make sure that you're doing it from the heart. Because what Satan does effectively, one of the tactics, is that he'll tempt you to do good in the flesh so that then you'll do evil in the flesh. But may God help us to have our heart in this because he's worthy. And his word is right. And the Lord is going to work with his disciples. And, and some, of the, some of the people said, that they came to Jesus and they said, do you know that the Pharisees were offended by what you said? <laughs> Imagine that. And Jesus wasn't intending to be offensive, but sometimes truth is going to offend people. But if you take the message today to heart to say, God, I want to be right with you. Paul wrote in Romans 10, about the Jews, about the scribes, about the Pharisees, they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own, they have not submitted themselves to the righteousness which, which is of God. But the word is nigh unto them, even in their mouth, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, acknowledge him for who he is, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, do you hear that? The emphasis there, for with the heart, Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, whether Jew or Gentile. We're all saved the same way. You get saved because from the heart you believe the gospel. And you call on Jesus to be your Savior. And thus, when you're saved by grace, then you sing with the heart. And you serve 
with the heart. It's not a dead formalism. We're not going through rituals and just another routine. It's this, he saved me, I wanna praise him. He saved me, I wanna serve him. He saved me, I wanna live for him. He saved me, I, I get to live for him. He saved me, I don't wanna live like I used to live. I don't even wanna come close to it. Not because I'm a legalist, but because he saved me, friend. He saved me and he's holy and he's called me to live a holy life. Get in that realm of the heart and you'll begin to enjoy the things of God. Yes, indeed. Father, I thank you this morning. I would imagine there's much more that could be said, maybe even some that should, but I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the written word to go by. Lord, um, many groups have added to it. Some have taken away from it. Lord, would you help us to have high regard for your word? I pray, though, also, God, that you'd help us that, Lord, there wouldn't just be an outward conformity to what people expect, but that there would be an inward reality of a relationship that is burning and growing within us with a love for the Lord Jesus Christ because of his blood shed for us and that we might, Lord, just know you and and, and get close to you. And as a result of that, our life begins to change from the inside out. Oh God, help us, I pray. And I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you don't tolerate hypocrisy or facade in any of us, but you want reality. And, and you wanna deal with us where it counts most and that being in the heart. So help us now in this invitation to respond to you from the heart. In Jesus' name.